Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. And as I said in the first service, <clears throat> the scripture tells us that all scripture is God braved. So every little word and dot in the Bible has got a purpose. Um, so from this little story, we can, we can learn something. Why did God, God doesn't just willy-nilly write little stories. Every single word in the Bible has got a purpose. You can learn from it. You can take from it. You can improve your life from it. You can take some principles out of it. You can learn lessons from it. And I've just tried to pick up a few things from this little story. And I just find it really interesting. But first of all, you think, well, who is Elisha? I, I don't want to assume that everybody knows who Elisha is. Um, there was a prophet in Israel called Elijah, and I often wish the name, you know, Elisha and Elijah is so similar sounding. It should, should have been like Elijah and Brian or something, you know what I mean? Some kind of different name. God has this habit of mucking around with names. But Elijah was the prophet in Israel and very, very powerful. He was a minister of, of the prophetic word. He was a minister of miracles. He he brought judgment against kings and, and all kinds of stuff. He was quite a guy, really. Um, and at, the, at a certain point, <clears throat> at a certain point in his life, he went into like probably like a depression, and he kind of gave up. And God said, "Okay, uh, go and anoint Elisha uh, as your successor." So he anointed Elisha. Elisha began to follow him in what I suppose what we would call these days an apprenticeship. Um, so Elisha was learning for, we don't know how long it was, but learning the ministry from Elijah. You'll notice that they did similar things. And uh, one day there was time, getting coming near the time for Elijah to leave and go to heaven. Um, and there came a point where Elisha said, well, I'm not leaving you. Elisha could sense in the spirit of God that Elijah was going to go. And some of the other prophets confirmed that. And they said, you know, he's going there. Yeah. And he stuck with them. Elijah tried to get rid of him, but he stuck with him. He says, I'm not leaving you. Because he wanted something from God. So he stuck with the man of God. There's maybe a lesson in that. Um, and what he did, he was walking along and chariots of fire came. Now, that's one heck of a way to go to heaven. Chariots of fire came down and took Elijah up to heaven. So Elijah didn't actually die. You know, the, the, there's a scripture in Revelation about the, there's two witnesses that come back from the dead. Um, that's, and, and the stuff goes on there. And they reckon, some scholars say that that's Elijah and Enoch because neither of them actually died. They just kind of went off with God, you know. God has a habit of messing with the, um, the structure of things, hasn't he? Well, he can because it's his structure. He can mess with it. Yeah? We can't go, well, that's not right. That shouldn't have happened. He invented the whole thing. He can do what he likes with it. He's God. Amen? And I, I love that about him. So Elijah went off to heaven, and his mantle, which is um, a cloak that went over his shoulders, which was his sort of uh, symbol of authority as a prophet in Israel, um, kind of like a mayor has the thing and the chains and all that. It, you know, uh, somebody told me back home years ago that, the, the policemen, what used to be the RUC, if they're going to um, book you, 
you know, charge you with something, they'll put the hat on because they have to have the crown above their head. It's a symbol of authority. And if they don't put the hat on, it actually, it doesn't apply. I don't know if that's true or not. I just know that somebody told me that. But anyway, it's about the authority. Elijah's mantle fell off his shoulders because he didn't need it anymore. He was going to heaven. Who's going to heaven? Yeah. Does anybody know when you're going? No, anyway, no, never mind that. <laughs> somebody turns around and goes, oh, you're going soon. But once you go there, you don't need any authority. You don't need, this. the fight's over. The fight's over, you're going home. Yeah, going home is good, isn't it? Because of Jesus, we're going to heaven. So anyway, this mantle fell off because it now was passing on to Elisha. And Elisha had asked for a double portion of the anointing. He asked for a double anointing. He said, I want to do twice what you did, Elijah. So what Elijah, Elisha did then, he picked up the mantle. And, and basically, it's now, he's thinking, it's now mine. It's my mantle. It's my authority. And he struck the water. And the water divided, and he walked across. He did this in front of all the other prophets. So it was a very public thing. And there's something in that. There's a little lesson in that there, because he was not afraid to prove God. You know, Elijah and Elisha were not afraid to prove God. They were not afraid to say, God is great, and God can do great things. And he can do great things for me, and he can do great things through me. And you know what? I believe there's a lesson in that for every one of us. We, we've got to get to the place where we think, God can do things through me, and he can do great things for me, because he is God, amen? And he wants to. It's his heart. How many people here are parents and grandparents, anything like that? Do you ever look at your children, and you, just, and you see them suffer something, and you want to take the suffering from them, don't you? You want them, and if there's a need, you want to supply their need, and you will do, excuse the language, but you will do your damnedest to see that they have their need met, won't you? Well, how much more was God, does God want to see our needs met and bless us, yeah? You know, it's how much more does he care about us? And he really does want, so they weren't, they weren't afraid to prove God. Now, you and I have a mantle in the Spirit of God. We have a mantle of authority because what we say goes. Whenever we say things in line with God's Word and God's will, it happens, it goes, it works. And we have been, we've been given that authority to say, no, this is not happening. It's going to be this. This is what the Word of God says. And I just want to dare you to, to be like Elisha and Elijah and strike the thing and say, in Jesus' name, where is the God of Elijah? God's not, God doesn't think that's rude when you say, where are you, Lord, in this situation? You know, when you take, um, let's say you have a money need and you take your tithe and you say, you slap it down in the, in the thing and you say, right, where is the God of Elijah now? Because, Lord, I'm giving you this tithe. I have needs. I have a mortgage to pay. There's debts. Whatever it is you have, you slap that down. And you say, where is God now? And God doesn't go, you can't talk to me like that. He's not British. <laughs> All right. And I'm as British as you. He is not, he doesn't do rude and all of that. He's not offended by us going, prove yourself, God, because you said in your word in Malachi, if I do this, you will open the windows of heaven. And he said, you said, you said, you said, you will pour out a blessing that will be so big I can hardly contain it. Anybody fancy that uncontainable blessing? Yeah? Go on, go American for a while and, you know, 
Start dreaming about stuff. Go on. It's not, no, God is a God of abundance. He lives in a place that has pearls in the gates and jewels in the walls and gold in the streets. He has not a problem with money. All right? He does not have a problem with abundance and provision. And he wants us to have it. Amen. So, where is God? When I slap my envelope down, where is God? And I say, Lord, it's over to you. And the Bible says that the Lord watches over his word to perform it. Yeah? He's looking for that word. He's looking for that word in our mouth, that faith in his word. And then he comes and performs it. Amen. So that was good. So let's get daring. Because it's the only place in the Bible that God allows us to test them. The Old Testament says, don't test the Lord your God. Jesus quoted that in the temptation. Um, and yet, when he came to Malachi on the tithe, he says, you test me in this, you see what I'll do. So let's do it, eh? So what's the point of a little two-verse story in, in the book of Kings? One of the first points, I believe, this was the completion of Elisha's ministry. Now, what do I mean? According to what's written, and there might be more things written, but we don't know, but according to what's written and according to what theologians and clever people who look into this stuff say, they say that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah because he asked for a double anointing, right? The only thing is that when Elisha died, he had only raised one person from the dead, and so had Elijah. They both raised uh, two sons, a son of a, a woman um, who had died. Two, I think they were youngish boys. There were two situations, and if you read both stories, you will actually see that they did the same thing, almost identical, because Elisha had learned from Elijah. But now Elisha goes and dies on us, and he hasn't raised a second person from the dead. Oh, well, he done quite a lot. It never got completed, you know. Then they throw this guy into his tomb and the guy pops back to life because God is a God of completion. God said, I'll give, I said I'd give Elisha a double anointing. I didn't say he had to be alive to have it. <laughs> See, we think our, our part is so important. You can be dead and minister to people. In fact, sometimes when some of us die, it is a ministry to people. You know, anyway. <laughs> Thank God for that, he's away. Anyway, you know, but... Uh, you know, it's not about us. It's about God said, right? God said double anointing, and God completed. I think it's, it's kind of, I think God's got a real good sense of humor about these things, you know? God is a God of completion. completion. Philippians 1, verse 6 tells us, it's a well-known scripture, and there's even little songs about it. Um, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, complete it until the day of Jesus Christ means before you leave, yeah? Until that day. So between now and us popping our clogs, he will complete his work in us. If we do what Elijah and Elisha did and stay in his will and walk in his ways, if we wander off all over the place, a lot of this gets cancelled out. It's staying in what he wants us to do, amen? And he will complete it. So it's things that he called us two years ago, and we haven't even, some of us haven't even seen it begin yet, but he says he wants to complete it. And if we line ourselves up 
with his will and his word, he will complete those things. Doesn't matter how old you are. Amen. So it tells me that God is the God of completion. You know, I, I mentioned in the earlier service, um, they were a lot quieter than you, though. But lovely people. Um, what was I going to say? Hang on. Let me reverse. Completion. Yes. Israel, back, if you read back in the Old Testament, when God told Israel to take all these different nations, and this is your promised land, if you go into history, they didn't take all the nations they were supposed to. They, they did not complete. And today, those nations they did not take are the ones that are troubling them. You see? Uh, if you remember King Saul disobeyed God, kept the sheep, saw a little bit of profit, and it cost him his king, cost him his, uh, his job, his kingship. Uh, you know, God is a God of completion. We, need, we must complete the word. We must obey the word to the letter. Whatever God tells us, we can't just leave a little bit off, a little bit of, you know, because there's this, you know the way there's lots of versions of the Bible? There's a, there's a version that, that hasn't been printed, but it's called the suit yourself version. It, it's in our head. We keep that one in our head. And it, what it does, it, it rips pages out and throws them away. And we've got suit yourself Christianity. It doesn't work. You know, I, I like a, a quote somebody quoted years ago. If you want a comfortable religion, don't choose Christianity because they ain't always that comfortable. It's full of truth, amen? So, completion. God's a God of completion, right? Here's the second point I get from this story. And it's kind of jokey and kind of serious, okay? Sometimes I do a joke. Um, your friends might drop you if it threatens their self-interest. <laughs> the friends, I mean, they were carrying their friend to bury him, and I'm sure they were sad, and they were obviously respecting the body and all of that. Because in this hot country, you get buried quick away. You know, you get buried straight away because it's very hot, and you'll soon be, you know. So they were, they were bringing the, the guy. So he, he wouldn't have been dead very long when they were burying him, we hope. They didn't have fridges. You're right there. And um, the point is, all of a sudden, the raiders come across the horizon and they immediately forget about their dead friend, you know, and they just throw him into Elijah's tomb and run, you know. Your friends will drop you if it threatens a self-interest. And what I mean by that is we can trust God in everything and we can trust people in some things. But I can't put pressure on you to be everything I need you to be. I can't even do that with my wife. It doesn't work, I've tried. I can't pressurize her to, to make me happy. I can't pressurize you to make me, I can't make you think like me and because it suits me and I don't like the way you think differently from me and it makes me uncomfortable or any of that stuff. And this is what we do. There's like an inherent thing in human nature where we try to make everybody like around us like us and be like us and think like us. It doesn't work. And you can love people, but you can't put that pressure on people. And don't you put that pressure on me. I promise you, I will let you down. Just wait a while. I'm sure I will. Give me a chance and I will let you down. I'm committed to it. 
Do you know what I mean? And, and there's a, a scripture in Psalm 118, verse 5. It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Right? And when people say you can't trust anybody, usually those people have been hurt. But in a real, in every situation, you can't trust anybody because, you know, you can't expect that from people. There are no perfect people. And if I expect you to be perfect, I have to be perfect myself. And that's just hard work. Yeah. But it's, but it's those who trust in the Lord. But only in the Lord. Right? We sang it this morning. I think I wrote it down. It's, in a song this morning, my hope is in you alone. You know, I can love you and you can love me and we can have great, but you can't save me. You can't heal me. You can't deliver me. You can't bring me to heaven, but only the Lord has done that. Yeah? You, you have not got salvation for me. We have it together. You know, so don't, if you want to avoid a lot of disappointment in life, don't expect somebody to make you happy. Especially in marriage, you don't marry, you know, to get. You marry to love, to give love, not get love. If you marry with the attitude, I am going to bless this person for the rest of their life, and they're doing the same for you, that's a great marriage, isn't it? So, Chris, what we need to do, right? No, anyway. <laughs> My hope is in you alone, Lord. Amen? Because your friends, if it does threaten their self-interest, they might just drop you in it. Yeah, might throw you in the grave. They probably said, oh, he was dead to us anyway. I'm sure he had something to say after if you met them up later. What do you, you know, what happened? My third point, God can resurrect anything. Yeah. Whatever seems dead or dying in our lives, spiritually, financially, relationally, just whatever, God can reverse it. See, God doesn't do time. We're the only people who live in time. God is all over. He's in eternity. You know, he, he is plucking the principles from this word from maybe thousands of years ago and making it relevant to us today because God doesn't do time. That's for us. So God, anything, you know, you might have um, had a, a dream and a vision and a passion to start something back in 1987 or 98 or last month and, or whatever, and, and you're now in disappointment and, oh, that's, and it's too late. Oh, it's, it's too late for me to do that. Tell that to Abraham and Sarah. You know, I'm not prophesying pregnancy on anyone, by the way, especially not over here. But, um, you know, Abraham is as good as dead, and yet we have the nation of Israel today because of what God did. So it's never too late, right? It's never too late for God to come and resurrect and reverse stuff. And, you know, the Bible talks about the latter, the latter days and, the, the, you know, the, keeping the best wine to last. You can have a better life in your last 10 years than you've had in, in 60 before that if you let God resurrect things. And, and, yeah, do you know what I mean? Move forward with that. Yeah. This, the resurrection principle is all through the Bible. Look at Lazarus. Lazarus, you know, had been dead for four days. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. He must have been listening to Mott the Hoople. I don't know. Um, all the 70s people got that. Um, Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they're all got, Lord, he's been dead four days. I mean, he didn't smell great when he was alive. Do you know what I mean? 
Now he's like, he's really humming it up, you know, especially in that hate. But Jesus said, uh, roll away the stone. And he called Lazarus. He resurrected Lazarus after four days, you know. I bet he was glad to get them grave clothes off, you know. This principle is all through Scripture. God can resurrect anything. God can resurrect our dreams and our visions that he gave us. doesn't matter how long ago or how soon it was. And it'll tell you something. It doesn't matter what happened or what somebody did, all right? God can resurrect because he is the God of the resurrection. What does it say in, in Romans 8, verse 11? It says, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can also quicken our mortal bodies. He can quicken our bodies. He can quicken our spirit. He can quicken our circumstances. Yeah? He can make it happen. Overnight, he can make it happen. Great things can still happen. And we have to find hope in that and faith in that, yeah? And and reach into God and go, all right, Lord, go on. Dare you. Make it happen. Yeah? Good stuff. It says in the Bible, uh, talking about faith, it says God, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Right? So you're sitting there saying, I'm sick. God's saying, you can be healed. You know, if we start agreeing with him, if, God's, if we call things, if you say, I'm no good, God's saying, no, you're fantastic. See, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't, don't you know good God's workmanship? Don't rubbish God's workmanship. Every single human being is fearfully and wonderfully made. God's workmanship, yeah? And we've got to see ourselves that way before we you know, move forward. He gives life to the dead and he calls those things that be not as though they were. And it's time for some of us, I believe, to start calling things that, that be not as though they were. It says in uh, Romans, about, talks about sin, it says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Um, if you live as if you're dead to sin, what will you be? You'll be dead to sin. Do you see what I mean? If I choose to not speak to my wife again, you hear the old joke about the guy that, you know, he said to his mate, I haven't spoken to my wife for three weeks. He says, why did you have a fight? He says, no, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> that is not a politically correct joke. If I choose to stop speaking to her and act as if I'm dead to her, I very soon will be dead to her. Because the the, the relationship will die, won't it? So if I do that the other way around, and if I choose to call the things that are bad in my life the opposite, then God has got something to work on. He watches over his word to perform it. And he will change the circumstance. I also need to stop confessing the bad at the same time because then it gets schizophrenic. But if I start calling myself blessed, I am blessed, not cursed. I am healthy, not sick. I am rich, not poor. Yeah? Let the poor say I am rich. Let the weak say I am strong. That's what calling those things that be not as though they were. When's the heating kicking in again? This is like the coldest part of the whole building up here. So, you know, God calls those things, and that's what we have to do because we're made in his image. So God can resurrect anything. Do you want my fourth point? Fourth and final point? All right. 
Some, script, some preachers, some sermons have three points. I have four. Some have no point. <clears throat> I hope that's not this one. Fourth point. As soon as you're raised from the dead, your enemy appears. Yeah? This guy's like, he hits Elias' bones, comes back to life, gets up on his feet and goes, I'm back to life. Wow. Oh, is somebody coming to kill me? There's the raiders. <laughs> and there's his, who's the, and his mates are like quarter mile away by now, running like crazy. As soon as God raises you up into what he's called you to do, your enemy appears. I don't say that to frighten you or worry you. I just say that we must be aware. Satan is our enemy. He does try to manipulate circumstances and work things against us. He is a liar, right? We just must be aware of him but not afraid because he doesn't actually have any power over us, only the power of deceit, but he's very good at deceit, right? And the scripture tells us um, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, I think, the Bible says, test the spirits to see if they are from God. All right? Test the spirits to see if they're from God. And I had a little think about that because I like to sit and think sometimes about stuff. And my point about that is, why do we need to test spirits if it's from the devil surely it would be really obvious it was the devil but it's not that's the problem that's what that scripture is second corinthians 11 verse 14 says that satan himself masquerades masquerades as an angel of light right and we've seen over the years we've seen christians get deceived by what seemed so good and looked great but yet Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. Some of us who have had dead dreams and visions of whatever it was have been led astray by the angel of light, and he has destroyed our dreams, and we have sat back and said, I'm not trying that again. The last time I tried that, I felt so foolish. It all went wrong. It didn't work. Nobody understood me. I have that problem all the time. Nobody understands what I'm saying. I thought, when I first came to this country, I thought the biggest word in England was, pardon? I have since slowed down. But he masquerades as an angel of light. So he makes things seem right. It's like you're a Christian. This oh, this other person's a Christian, so I can marry them. That doesn't always work. You marry the wrong Christian. You know, all this type of stuff. You've got to go with what God is doing. You've got to allow God, oh, I'll go into this ministry. It looks right. You've got to step back and say, Lord, you need to test the spirits. You need confirmation. You need guidance. You need to talk things over with people. God wants to resurrect our dreams, but we also must walk that narrow path and get it right, yeah? We want to get it right. Because the devil is a liar, but he's very, very good at it. He can only devour us. It says he wants to devour everybody, but he can only devour us when we, give it, when we are deceived by him, right? And we know what God's saying. So that was the last point. Um, as soon as you're raised 
from the dead, your enemy appears. But we don't need to fear him because he's defeated, all right? Hallelujah. So it's 20 past 12. Is the coffee on? Um, being raised from the dead, in a sense, talking about spiritual matters, if you're not born again, you're dead in your sin right now. Bible say, I don't say that. The Bible says you're dead in your sin. The Scripture says that we, we are without God and without hope. So Jesus died and raised from the dead, literally, so that you could have your sins forgiven and that you could be born again and come into God's kingdom. It's not about going to church. It's not about religion or being good. It's about having your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. If you haven't done that, you really do need to do that. Come and talk to any one of us. We've got some booklets and stuff like that. We can pray with you. We can guide you into a prayer of salvation. Okay? I just want to say also, I really, I mean, it's not even a word of knowledge because you put more than 10 people in the room, you'll find somebody with a crushed dream, you know. It's like saying there's sin in the room. If there's people in the room, there's sin. But there's, there's got to be people, and somewhere along the line, some of those dreams and those visions and that thing that God wanted got crushed and killed. And God is a God of the resurrection. God can resurrect that. You can start something that God called you to 30 years ago. You can start that now, and even with the... A little time left, you can have as much effect, if not more, than you would have had the first time around. It's not about the years. God, God can, the scripture says God makes up the years the locusts have eaten. The locust represents the devil destroying stuff. God can actually make that up. Um, think of Catherine Coleman. She was well known for miracles. Her ministry was only the last 12 years of her life. Before that, she messed everything up. But it was the last 12 years. Incredible things happening. So God can make that up for you. If you want prayer and you want something resurrected that God has called you to or there's a need or there's a relationship problem or it's financial or whatever it is, God is a God who puts things back together the way they should be. Amen? So please feel free to receive prayer and we're going to worship the Lord and just enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.